so the, the conversation came up on uh, Thursday night, right? I think it was this Thursday. Do you have your Star Wars tickets yet? Right? And I realized I, I, it, was, it, was, it was brought to my attention that that's in the middle of finals for some people. So perhaps you can be forgiven for not being there opening weekend. I, you know. Um. Right, we also talked uh, the, the whole Star Wars hype. By the way, are fans? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, how can you ignore one of the greatest cultural movements in our, you know, in our society, right? For decades, it has just, my, my daughter had never seen, I just showed it to her the other night, but she'd never seen the, um, the movie until uh, Friday night. And, but I showed her the logo and she knew immediately, Star Wars, she's five, you know? She knows it, just, it's, it's, if a five-year-old who's never seen the movie, a movie that's 30, almost 30, 30 almost 40 years old. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that works. Um, if she knows it, I mean, this is a big thing. Right? And we all, we all know the general shape of the, of the, of the story. Um, I mean, it's a battle of good and evil. Um, the fall of one, maybe even the fall and redemption of one. Right, but this this good and evil that goes through it. But you also brought up there's right the cold question in the in all the trailers that show up are like where's Luke? Maybe he's evil. You know, which he can't be. He he cannot be. Just in my own thinking, right? Please no, don't do that. But um, there has been a there was a theory that came out right, and we did talk about this the other the other night that the evil that is there is none other than, uh, or at least was intended to always be Jar Jar Binks, right? The complete and utter idiot, right, from the first. David, you're, you're smiling. Do, do you know this theory? Have you seen this? I haven't seen the theory, but I've heard discussion about it. You've heard discussion about it, right? It's, it's made some ripples, right? Um, it totally turns our understanding of... Um, that first movie kind of on its head, if it's true. And all I will say is it's a very compelling argument that Jar Jar Binks is in fact a co-conspirator with Emperor Palpatine in creating the, the empire and this uh, sort of having the dark side have its death grip upon uh, the people. But it has captured people's imaginations. It is so opposite of what we have always um, understood, right? That people have to go, I mean, some people just out of automatically go, no, 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 that's not right. That can't be true. Um, but then the rest of us kind of go, well, gosh, the, the stuff that he says there's, or the, or the points that he lifts up as types of uh, evidence are, are really compelling, right? Sometimes we have to reevaluate a narrative that has been sort of put out one way. And we may never know. It might have been what George Lucas intended all along, which would have been genius if he had kept it. But 
I think sometimes in that same vein, we have to do that with um, biblical stories. Because sometimes they get told so often and they get, um, they begin to become interpreted in particular ways that we have to say, wait a minute, let's, let's step back a second, right? Today is one of those stories. What, what has typically been called um, the widow's might, that's, that's the old traditional um, name. I can't even remember how some of the headings are now in, in, in Bibles because I prefer Bibles without headings. But, um, right, Jesus is sitting outside the temple and he's watching the people come by, right? And uh, he sees rich people come by and sort of drop money into the treasury. So when he says the treasury, we hear the word treasury there, that's the temple treasury. That's, it's, a, it's a religious offering. And some folks are making massively sort of big shows of what they're doing. And, well, gosh, no, no kidding, that happens. Uh, we know that. Um, so that. But then he just sees um, a widow uh, come up and drop the last two uh, coins that she has uh, in the treasury, right? And then he says, um, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And I want to say that that last of the line is, you know, everything she had, her whole life, is, I think a all she had to live on was to get a better sense of what that meant, but the Greek is her whole life. And so, um, we are in the fall, right? This is a time that always sort of happens, that when we have uh, churches uh, who are going through stuff, they begin to create their, um, they're working on their budgets. And so we're always going to have some time around this uh, part of the year, well, it's going to be Stewardship Sunday, Right? And it just always sort of happens that there are texts that come in the fall that when we start talking about discipleship and someone's, there's going to be some text that's about giving and, and in so doing, right? Now, preachers have picked up on this and for, you know, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had. And so it is so easy for the preachers to go, <clears throat> people, Widows, she gave everything. Certainly you can too, right? Um, it's, a, it's a pretty typical move often with Scripture to take it. Um, and we want to, we, we, preachers want to apply it to our lives, Right? Um, but also for the benefit of the structure in which they're preaching, which requires that. Um, so they always, it, it just sort of happens. And even for myself, it's hard to not just say, yeah, let's just go with that. And then I would stand up here and tell you as college students, right, to, um, you know, use your whole life, you give everything um, and, and all that and, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't think 
that's what the deal is here. I think we need to step back, re-envision um, this story, pull out a little bit, see it a little broadly, right? Because right before, right, I mean, we can just sort of uh, hold off those, those verses, uh, 41 to 44, those last four verses, and we could see those, and boy, I could really hammer that home, but right before this, right uh, in 38 through 40, Jesus um, gives sort of a anti-scribe um, speech. Beware the scribes. He and the scribes never got along, right, because they're part of the religious establishment. They're part of the people who sort of help interpret the things. They're the ones, though, right? It says they devour, um, they like, walk, like to walk around in long robes, which of course means that they don't do work in the fields. Long robes gets messy, it's hard to work. Be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the best seats in synagogues and places of honor at banquets. You can refer to other stories, but right, Jesus going, don't take the best seat, take the worst seat, and then maybe you'll be asked to move up. Of course you might not, but right, so um, and then they, they devour widows' houses, which might mean that they find means, either sort of uh, legal or illegal ways, to get uh, property of widows and sort of kick them out and make, put them on the fringes, or that they sort of step in kind of the, in the similar way that uh, Elijah does, sort of just sort of move as, he, as they travel from place to place. They go and they just sort of force a widow to sort of put them up for a while, and they just sort of consume all their resources. Not real clear but something like that. And then try to look real good and say long and flashy and, and important prayers. Um, and Jesus says they'll, they'll receive the greater condemnation. Um, so they have that uh, before them. Um, and then right after this, as he's really sort of sitting outside the temple and watching them put the money in the treasury, that they turn around and he goes on a, a long sort of anti-temple crusade. He talks about how the temple is going to be torn down, right? Because he, he replaces, in that sense, himself as the new temple. Um, and in between, right? Sort of a tirade against religious authorities, um, a, a tirade against the temple. There's this little bit about the, about the, the widows, right? Um, so I don't think it is about the widow's giving. And it's those last little words, her whole life. It is precisely what he says is going to happen as the temple is torn down, because it's him. He is going to give his whole life. The point that Jesus makes here, it's not about you all better give so God loves you more. That's not it. Because really, when it comes right down to it, that's kind of always the implied message from pulpits with give, 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 give. Because if you give more, then God will love you more. It's not always done that way, but it's very hard to do that from the pulpit without sounding that way. But I think Jesus sees in her not the model for our life. But he sees in it a prefigurement of his. 
that he gives his whole self, right? Because this is the continued witness of Scripture that God gives, right? So even in the Old Testament story, which it kind of sounds, right, like sort of Elijah just sort of steps in to this widow's life and says, woman, make me a sandwich. It's, it's not that, right? She, he steps in, right? He has been essentially on the run from a, um, an apostate Israel. They have turned their back on God. They, um, the, uh, the king is seeking uh, Elijah's life. Um, it's, it's not going to go well for Elijah, uh, or so he thinks, right? So he, he goes to Gentile territory. He goes outside of Israel to suddenly find a place to dwell for a bit in the midst of this drought. And he sees a woman who's gathering sticks and says, right, and this is sort of hospitality 101. You come across somebody in the desert and they can say, I need food, and you have to give it to them because someday you might be the person in the, in the desert and you got to go, I need food, and they will give it to you. Um, there's, there's a code of, uh, there of hospitality. But she's like, I'm picking up these sticks to go make something, make one last meal for me and my son, and we're going to die because we got nothing else left. Elijah steps in not to devour her last resources, but as sort of God's word, um, walking around as a prophet, steps in. And here are the, pro- the, the promises that God continues to give life in the midst of death. He doesn't come in, eat up all of her resources, and leave her with nothing. He goes to someone who has nothing, and the promise is that God gives life. So very often we need to continue to reinterpret, rehear the stories of Scripture because they are so often turned around on us of the if-then type of story. If you do this, then God will love you. But instead, we need to hear and see again and again that they are because therefore. Right? That is gospel language. If-then is law. If then is stuff that makes you feel burdened and I have to do this and feel obligation and duty because therefore opens us up. Because God has done these wonderful things. Because God is the God who feeds the hungry, who rescues the poor and the widow, right? Therefore, we live in response to that. Christ has united himself to us in the waters of baptism that we might be part of what God is doing, the continued giving of himself to us in grace and mercy and love and care, in bread and in wine, in water, in in community that gathers. We find ways we understand that it's not just, uh, gosh, God does everything. I mean, God does do everything, right? But 
the good news changes us to hear so that we might see how our lives live out right, and bring life to others, how God brings life to us and how we may bring life to others as part of God's work in the world. It changes the way we understand what we do. God gives. God gives richly. God continues to give to us. And when sometimes we can't see it, because other stuff has clouded around us, I pray that we have that community where God continues to give gracious words around us to lift us up and support us in times of trial and in times of strife and in times of conflict. And we may be words, to, we may be those people to others at various other times when they cannot see it any longer. Thanks be to God. Amen.